0: Alright, so, reading from verse 14 of of Romans chapter 8. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. It says in verse 14, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Our sonship does not depend on our obedience. We are children of God because of the work that Jesus Christ has done. Our sonship uh, um, does not depend on our obedience. As I have told my children many times growing up, you will always be my child and that cannot change. You understand the security of that? Because if our our being children of God depends on our obedience, then we would many times feel as if we're not children of God anymore. God has worked this thing out. It's because of the work of Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. So when it says, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, you may argue, well, um, there are times that, that I don't follow. It does not say all those who follow the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. It says all those who are being led by the Spirit. Whether we follow or not, if you are a child of God, you have received Jesus Christ and His resurrection, you are being led. We are being led. We do not always follow, but we are always being led by the Spirit of God. That doesn't change. For all who are being led... God always leads, we don't always follow, but He is always leading us. If we are in the kingdom of God, He is always and forever leading us. Then he says in verse 15, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. What's he talking about? What it's talking about when it talks about slavery, it says that we were slaves to sin. We were slaves to sin and unable... To stop sinning, it is only with the power of God, and that's what He demonstrated to us in the earlier chapters of the Book of Romans. You you can't you can't uh, overcome this without the Spirit of God. It's only by God and by His Spirit. So when it says that that uh, uh, for you've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, this whole fear, God has broken down this fear. Now the sense of the fear of God is that is that uh, um this is an honoring and respect of God and obeying of his commandments but it's not to be something out of fear if if my children if my grandchildren were to always be fearful of me I wouldn't like that at all I mean that's not a pleasant thought Then he says but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. This is an amazing thing. By which we cry out, Abba, Father. This term, Abba, does not mean father. It means, in English, it should be daddy. It's a very close. And this word cry is not the normal cry. This is a very deep-seated longing that he's talking about. It's a, it's a longing. As we say, Abba, we cry out, Abba, Father. There's only three times that Abba is mentioned in the New Testament. And so let's turn to um, Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14 is the first time we see this. And this is when Jesus is in the garden. So Jesus is in the garden, and and it says, And He was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. In his deepest cry, Jesus is using the terminology Abba. When Jesus prayed public prayers, he did not use the term Abba. He actually used the term often, most often, Father, Father. That's what he used most often when people heard him publicly pray. In this, in the garden, he's alone. He has some disciples sitting a ways off, and they hear him praying this prayer. But, but uh, um, uh, in public prayer, he used the term "Father," and that was that. That was profound enough. That was already extreme to the Jews. The Jews got very upset with him using the term "Father" for God, and we know that. Because it says in 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 John chapter five, John chapter chapter five verse eighteen, it says, "For this reason, John five eighteen. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, but he was also calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. So, just using the term Father in prayer was to them that 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 sounded." so extreme that you would do that, that you'd call God your own father, and here in in uh, in um, in Mark chapter fourteen verse thirty six, he's calling him not just father but Abba, an extremely close term. So my my daughter lives in Israel; she's lived there full time since two thousand and six, uh, and uh, she has citizenship there. She's married to a Messianic Jew. In, who, who was born in Israel, and her children, my grandchildren, call their father Abba. This is the term for father. And uh, this is the term for daddy in Israel. And and uh, uh, here he's calling him Abba. Now when he says, let me just, just make a, a, a little point here. When he says, um, all things are possible for you, remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. When he says this, when he says this, um, he's not asking God to deliver him from the cross. No way. That is a misunderstanding. Jesus would never, would never be requesting to be freed from going through the cross. Never, because it was prophesied; it had to happen. It cannot stop from happening because the Old Testament had prophesied that that the Messiah was to was to die. And to die a horrific death. That he was going to be marred more than any other man. Jesus would never want this. This is what he came for. What he's asking God to do is that, that... So it was prophesied that he was going to go to the cross. He came with this intent and Jesus was not at all afraid of the cross. You say, well in his humanity he was afraid. He was not. Jesus was a man. And I mean he was a man's man. And he was not afraid to go to the cross. He was one who jumps right on top of the grenade to save everybody else. He was one of those guys. Not afraid to do this. What he's asking God to deliver him from is something that was never prophesied in the Old Testament, but he realizes now that it's going to come upon him. And that was the spiritual separation from his father. That was the spiritual separation. That was never prophesied in the Old Testament. It was not required to have been done. That spiritual separation, that was never a requirement, and and uh, um, that's why you see in in uh, Matthew chapter twenty seven, Matthew chapter twenty seven, verse forty six, when Jesus is finally on the cross, in verse forty six of Matthew twenty seven, he says, and it was it says and it was about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, "Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani." That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It was that spiritual separation. What was His despairing cry on the cross? It had nothing to do with the 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 physical pain that He was going through. It was the spiritual separation from His Father. Just the thought that He was going to be spiritually separated from His Father as He underwent the pain for our sin. That was the thing that he was trying to say, deliver me from it. And it was on that basis that he underwent this despair and cry on the cross. And you can see this because he says, my God, my God. That's a judicial sort of appeal. It's not my father, my father. It's not Abba, my Abba. He is now separated from God and it is God, my God. This is what he's talking about. Jesus was not afraid to go to the cross for the physical pain, no way. What he didn't want to have to experience was the spiritual separation from his father that none of us ever have to undergo because he's already paid the price. He's already done this. But you see, there, there's, and there's one other, there's one other occasion where this word Abba is used and it's in Galatians chapter 4, Galatians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7. It says, Because you are sons, I want you to hear this, Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir, through God. He's saying again, that we can cry out with this term, Abba, Father. The same thing it says in Romans that we can cry out, we can use this very endearing term, which to a Jew, even using the word Father, is too presumptuous. So it, it, it's, it's borderlining on contemptuous that you should call God your Father? And now we're told, you can call Him Daddy, you can call Him Abba. I'm talking about that level of Closeness that level of closeness we are in, are encouraged to enjoy that level of closeness we go it, it's not just this master slave relationship it's not that jesus brings this whole thing into us so for example in john chapter 15 verse 15 john 15:15 15, 15, jesus says i no longer call you slaves for the slave does not know what his master is doing but i have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus goes, it goes from being a master-slave relationship to being friends. He says, you guys, you guys are my friends. And then we just saw in the book of Galatians, it goes from that to being sons. It says in, in Galatians, because you are sons, and that's what he's saying here in the book of Romans. He says, "For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption." Verse fifteen of Romans chapter eight. You've received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, "Abba, Father." And then in Hebrews two, chapter two, he follows on this thought. Hebrews chapter two, verses. Uh, um, well, we'll start. We'll start reading in Hebrews chapter two at verse fourteen. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14, therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, the children, the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had power of death. That is the devil. And, and might free those through fear of death, were subject to slavery all their lives. You see, the writer of Hebrews is going at this same thing. He said, you were subject to slavery and fear your whole life. He says, for assuredly, he does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren. Jesus calls us his brethren. That's brothers. He had to be made like his brethren in in all things so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. So what he does here is he calls us sons and he calls us heirs. Sons and heirs. That means heirs, meaning that we are going to receive with him. The inheritance that Jesus receives because of his obedience—guess what? He shares that with us. This is an amazing deal. He brings us into this inheritance, and this is exactly what happens. We are. It, it says that in 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 chapter chapter eight, verse fifteen, that that uh, uh, he talks about this whole concept of we are being adopted into this family. We are being adopted into this family. There's this closeness that comes out of a relationship. And this relationship grows. It just grows in an amazing way. Let me give you an analogy so you can begin to understand this. I've been married 40 years. Shireen and I have been married, we are in our 40th year right now. And there's so many things where Shireen and I will be sitting together, somebody will say something and we just look at each other and we know exactly what the other is thinking concerning that statement. Because we just know each other. We just know each other. And and uh, so often, you know, somebody, you know, say somebody's preaching some message and they'll say something. And I know exactly what Shireen thinks about that. And... Uh, um, very often she 's too kind to voice what she thinks about that, but I know exactly what she 's thinking, and uh, um, she will just quietly get up and walk away from the TV or something I mean because I know exactly what she 's thinking I know how she thinks I just know how she thinks because we 've been together so long. It is true that that um, our relationship is different than it was in our first year of marriage. I used to come home, and I remember I would, I would come home into our little one-bedroom apartment, and she was so lonely because we'd, just, we'd gotten married and, and, and uh, we'd just moved to graduate school. She didn't have any friends, so she was just longing for me to get home. And I'd get home, and you can ask her. This is absolutely true. I would pick her up, and uh, um, it must be that I'm not as strong as I used to be. and and uh, And I would just pick her up, and i would carry her to the couch and i'd put her on my lap and we would just start making out i mean this was so that doesn't happen anymore it just doesn't happen and and uh, uh and it's it's probably because i'm not as strong as i used to be so but so the relationship has changed it's changed but it's become much richer in many other ways and we have these decades together of understanding things so, I can, I can say to Shireen, very nice, very nice to meet you. And she knows to put her napkin to her mouth to check if there's any food stuck to her lipstick. And you'd be like, how does very nice to meet you mean that? Well, it's because when we were engaged, she brought me, she, I visited her at her work. She worked for the Salvation Army. And, uh, um and, she was introducing me to her friends and somebody had brought in a box of donuts. And this woman who had a thick red lipstick on had picked up a powdered sugar-coated donut and was eating it, and it was just totally white. And she came up to me, and inter- Shireen introduced me, and she said, very nice to meet you. And when she walked away, you know, I was, I was just a wise guy, 21-year-old, and I turned to Shereen. Yeah, very nice to meet you. <laughs> because it looked kind of funny, you know, their lips were totally white. And since, And she laughed, and I laughed. And since then, very nice to meet you means check your lips. You got something stuck to your lipstick. And so marriage, you have decades of marriage. There's all these codes you have between you that nobody else understands. This is the richness that comes by being married to somebody for decades. You have all of this. And you reflect back. You, you say, remember, Ambreen used to say such and such. And so, so for example, um, if if we're traveling, I won't say, where's the suitcase? I will say, where's the kutseis? Well, because when my little daughter was about two years old, we were getting on the plane, and we were sitting on the plane, and she turned around and she looked at us, where's the kutzes? She was wondering, where are our suitcases? They were obviously been checked. But we busted up laughing. And because of that one incident, we have this joke between us. This is the type of richness that comes in marriage over a long period of time. The same thing happens in relationship to God. You spend decades in relationship with God. You call Him Abba. There's a closeness there. And I can be reading the scriptures and my eyes will come upon a verse that decades ago God used to encourage me that was like life. Water poured upon a thirsty a parched soul at one point in my life. And I'll read that verse and I'm like, Lord, remember how much you encouraged me in that situation through that verse? You got me through that situation and I have all this richness. I have so many times where God bailed me out of difficult situations where I had to confront people. or to, I hate to have to confront people. I hate it. And and uh, um, where I had to deal with people, and I had to fire people in companies, and oh, it's terrible! Fire students, it's terrible to have to do that. And how I would be praying that morning, and God would use scriptures to encourage me. When I read the Bible, this 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 book is like like an old friend, because God has used the pages of this book to minister to me so richly. It's like an old friend. And there's this depth of relationship. So when he says you can cry out, Abba Father, I know what he's talking about. I can remember a time I was on my knees by a couch praying when I was an undergraduate in college. I lived in this house and, and, uh, um, I was just meditating on this verse. And then as often happens to undergraduates, you're so tired from studying. I was beginning to doze off and the, the shade popped up, went and it was wrapping around. bang, bang, bang. You know, it just startled me. And the Lord was waking me up. I got a message for you here. And I still remember that. I still remember that. And I remember that verse and how the Lord just, you know, popped me up. It just, it's sort of like, wake up here. I got a message for you. I still remember that. The richness that comes from a relationship where you look at God and you say, Abba, you're my father. I really know you, and you know me. We've had all of these these years together. You know, I, I was so. What happens very often is is people see the 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 number of people that I bring to the Lord. This happens all the time, and they're like, "How do you do it? I I want to know what are the verses you share." Okay, so I give them the list of verses. I give them the list of verses. They think that all they got to do is parrot those words, and people are going to start getting saved. And I said, it's not gonna work. No, well, no, I, I wanna know. Okay, here's the slides that I use. Here's what I use. Cause I often use slides, if I can do it by Zoom, if I can do it on my phone, if I can't, I'll just do it verbatim. But, but um, so one, there's one man, he's a, he's a Catholic friend of mine, and he has a Catholic radio program, it's like Answers in Catholicism and stuff, and so, he's walked with God for, he, he's, he's probably in his 70s, and he's loved the Lord his whole life. And so I send out these little snippets of, of of people that have come to the Lord the past week. And he wrote to me last week. He said, "Blessing Jim, it is the journey with Christ which makes your words to those needing to hear so believable. As a reflection of Christ, your words present a convincing argument of the grace of Christ. Uh, convincing argument and the grace of Christ finds its mark." What he's saying is, it's the journey. It is the journey with Christ which makes your words to those needing to hear so believable. Why do people believe me when I say those words and you say the words, it doesn't work? I had often wondered, what is it about Billy Graham? I would watch Billy Graham and he would give these messages which were very simple. Then he'd have an altar call in a stadium and 2,000 people would come walking up to give their life to the Lord. 2,000 people. I'm telling you, anybody else could have given the same message. Nobody would have come forward. It wasn't the words. There was something from the journey of the man's life where he had prayed for years and years and of his father's life because I met one old farmer in Indiana who was friends with Billy Graham's father. I was in college I was in graduate school. This guy was like in his 80s. He was friends with Billy Graham's father. And Billy Graham's father wanted to be an evangelist, he said. And he begged God to be an evangelist. And God said to him, You farm for me, and I will raise up an evangelist from your offspring. And he did. There's a journey here. There's time here with the Lord. And the Bible speaks about this. So if you look, for example, in... in uh, In 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20 says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. The kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. It's not just parroting the same words and thinking that's going to do it. Because if it did, that's 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. If it did, then all we have to do is blast a speaker out, reading the Bible, and everybody's going to get saved, Right? It's not just the words, it's the power behind it, it's the relationship. It's the Abba Father, it's the relationship that's there. This is what he's talking about. When you cry out, Abba Father, and this is why the next verse in the book of Romans, it says, so so he says in, in in verse 15, he says, Which we cry out, Abba Father, verse 16, the Spirit Himself testifies with our Spirit that we are children with, we are children of God. His Spirit testifies to our Spirit that we are children of God. People ask me, do you ever, do you ever have doubts about God and His existence? And you know what I tell them? No. No. None. I have absolutely no doubts about God and His existence and Jesus Christ dying on the cross for me. Zero doubts. I'm telling you, zero. No doubt in my mind about that. How could you have no doubts? Because for decades I've walked with God. Because for decades Jesus Christ Himself has ministered to me and been good to me over and over and over again. And I cry out, Abba Father! Do you see there's a relationship there? It's not just merely words in a book to me. Every word in this book is true. Absolutely true. And if you do not take every word in this book as being true, you have lost all power, high ground in evangelism. You've lost it. I've seen the Word of God. The Word of God is tried. It is tested. So I know it is true. The Word of God is tried. And this is why I can say with Jesus, I know who has sent me that He is trustworthy. I know who has sent me that He is trustworthy. That's why we can cry out, Abba, Father. Abba, Abba, Father. Jesus has brought me through so much. So much. I've had pain in my life like everybody else. I've had sickness. I've had pain. We've had our kids go through horrid experiences. Just like everybody else in life. This is life. These things happen to people. But God has always been with me. He has always seen me through. I have no doubts in my mind. His spirit testifies with my spirit that I am a child of God. Zero doubts. It's different than the day after I got saved. Now I have almost 45 years of walking with God. There's a difference there. My relationship with my wife is very different than it was when we were just engaged. My relationship with my wife is very different than our first year of marriage. People would say, oh, you know, you were always going for walks and holding hands and laughing. People would say, we can tell you're newly married. People don't say that to us anymore can't understand why. Um, uh, but the relationship is rich. It's much deeper. I have no doubts about my wife that she's always going to be looking out for my good. I have no doubts about that. There's a richness that comes by knowing somebody and having a relationship with them for decades. I'll tell you, that's one of the treasures of marriage. Please. I mean, you're going to go through You're going to go through stuff in your marriage. We've gone through stuff in mine. I beg you, hold on. Hold on. Because you know what happens? You get into the next marriage and you think, oh, this is going to be better and it turns out to be worse. I've seen it. I've seen guys go through multiple marriages and say, you know, my first marriage really wasn't that bad. (laughs) You know? And and, uh, um, uh, you you get these things worked out so that you have this legacy. She and I will remember Occasions. Remember that person that came to our home, this thing that he said, and we'll laugh? Nobody else can laugh with me like I laughed with Shireen about these occasions that have happened through our lives. This is the richness that you get when you can cry out and say, Abba, Father, this is what he's talking about. There's no doubt in my mind. We can cry out, Abba, Father, Jesus invites you The Word of God invites you, and in fact, to use Abba, Father. In your personal time with Him, there is a richness. We can cry out and say, Abba, Father. Jesus invites you to use the most endearing term that He has for His Father, to use the same thing. That's what He did. He invites us to use that. Now, when He was doing public prayer, I mean, can you imagine what... What the Jews would have said had he used the term Abba for his father? If saying the word father really sent them into a tizzy where they wanted to kill him over it? I mean, they'd really gone crazy if they heard him say Abba. That's what he invites us to do. He invites us in to say Abba. Let's pray. Abba, my father, you have been so good. Thank you, Lord that you invite us in to call you Abba. You invite us in to a depth of relationship that can be so good. Lord, I thank you for opening the door that we can become heirs along with you and heirs of this relationship with the King of the universe and invited right into his throne room. Thank you, Lord, that we do not have to walk in a spirit of fear anymore. But there is a depth of relationship. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word. It is so good. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, I pray that because of this time together, that these hearers would love you all the more and that they would long to walk with you for decades through their whole lives to see the richness that comes. They'd long to take this Bible, this book and make it their daily meditation so that they would have this storehouse, this treasure of where you have spoken to them through verses of scripture and this legacy of time and time again where you've seen them through. Father, take these young people and build in them a richness from your word. And Lord, I pray for their marriages, that they would be good, long marriages for a lifetime. Father, that they would not give up when the hard times come. But they would be good, long marriages to look back on. Oh Lord, your grace be there. Your grace be there, O oh Lord, I pray. Father, I pray for the unbelievers who are here who do not know what it is to have a relationship with God, who still live under the bondage of sin. Father, I pray that this very day they would say along with me, Lord, forgive me because I am a sinner. Thank you for dying for me. I believe that Jesus is Lord. And I believe that he has risen from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for all your grace and for all your mercies. Blessed be your name, O Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen.